It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 289, Quantum podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world. Uh, but today it's a special and I need to explain what we're doing and I want you to hold on, don't switch off when I mention this to start with. Let me explain why it's really important. We're going to look, the whole episode is going to be devoted to Scotland. Now, I have been attempting to do this for over a year. I find it really difficult to do in lots of ways. Um... Because I am Scottish, but I, I, I don't live in Scotland at the moment. But most of my family are, most of my friends. And uh, I've been so deeply involved, and I love my country. And yet, if you're from the US or Australia or Brazil or Malaysia or whatever, many countries, people listen to this. I want you to... Follow what's happened to my country and you'll see the route that you could go that really you don't want to go. So I thought I would start with um, this piece of music. Please do, by the way, forgive my voice. I've recovered from, just recovered from COVID and I'm just back from Melbourne where I gave, I think, 15 lectures in three days. So my voice is a wee bit rough, but let's start off with the Pete Bog Fairies. Not many people associate the bagpipes with, with dance music, but I, I, I love the Pete Bog Fairies. I actually think they're brilliant. And that shows some of the creativity that uh, occurs within Scottish culture. But when you hear Scotland, what do you think? Do you think whiskey? I think it's our biggest export. Kilts and castles and all those kinds of things. And all those things are true, but if that's all you're, you're interested in, you're missing out a, a huge amount. I mean, there's a reason to be interested in Scotland, mainly because Scots are everywhere. Everyone who's listening to this, I'll guarantee you that uh, there are Scots in, in your country, and most of you, Scots will have had a significant influence on your country. So, for example, of Canada's 23 prime ministers, 14 had Scottish roots, including John A. Macdonald, the first prime minister. If you're from Korea, Scottish missionaries who uh, brought the gospel to your country... Scots have had an amazing influence in the world. We've sent engineers, soldiers, politicians, civil servants, teachers, doctors, nurses, musicians, missionaries and pastors all over the world. Here in Australia, almost 10% of Australians claim Scottish ancestry. 
Lachlan Macquarie from Ulva in the Inner Hebrides was the father of modern Australia. Thomas Brisbane, city in Queensland named after him. Andrew Fisher, the first Labour Prime Minister here, born in air. Explorers Charles Stewart and John McDougall Stewart. Um, I think it, it's incredible, the influence. And then there's this song, and I'll bet you never thought you would hear this in a programme about Scotland. Waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda, you'll come a waltzing Matilda with me, with the jolly drum buck that you got in your tucker bag. Up jumped the swagman, sprang into the billabong You'll never take me alive, said he And his ghost may be heard As you pass by that billabong You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me His ghost May be heard as you pass by that billabong. You'll come a waltzing Matilda with everybody. Waltzing Matilda, waltzing Matilda. You'll come a waltzing Matilda with me. His ghost may be heard as you pass by that billabong. You'll come a waltzing Matilda with me. Yeah, that's Waltzing Matilda. What's that got to do with Scotland? It was written by Patterson, lawyer and journalist. Um, Scotsman. We even wrote your national anthem, Australia. Um, I am in Scotskirk in Hamilton. All over the place, You there's just so much Scottish influence. I come across all these Scottish names here. It's the same with Canada and New Zealand, which is really Scotland on the other side of the globe. It's quite funny that, that we're, we're going to look at how narratives have changed, but the modern narrative in Scotland, and I get from the the kind of cybernats on Twitter and elsewhere, is, oh, the English were the colonizers and Scots were the colonized and we were the ones who, you know, were against the British Empire. Absolute rubbish. We built the British Empire together with the English and, and, and Welsh and some of the Irish, but Scots were major colonizers. 20 to 25 million Americans are of Scottish descent. Uncle Sam was based on the businessman Samuel Wilson, whose parents came from Greenock. Harley Davidson, the sons of William C. Davidson from Angus. Bill Gates' mother was Scottish, as was Donald Trump's. They say that the KKK and the Confederate flag was based on Scottish influence. Even your serial W.K. Kellogg's or Glenn Bell was the father of Taco Bell. Um, I love Willie Ruff, uh, thesis uh, professor of music from Yale, that uh, African-American gospel music owes its origins to Scottish Gaelic psalm singing. You know, it's almost like nothing we will claim. So we've had a major influence. Now, I want you to to listen to just a bit of this. Now, this is, uh, I think this is a beautiful piece of music, but let's listen to this.
that is part the end of Psalm 24. Uh, it was sung by the St. Peter's Congregation back in Dundee, Scotland. Um, it was written by a minister in St. George's Edinburgh. So the tune is called St. George's Edinburgh. Not the psalm, but the tune. It's called St. George's Edinburgh. Because he wanted the congregation to sing better. Now, Scotland was the land of the people of the book. The Scottish people in general would know the Bible. They were literate, educated, and uh, were enormously motivated by Christianity. There is no question whatsoever that Scottish society was built on Christianity. I recall going to St. Peter's Church in Dundee, and that church was built as a church extension in 1836. By 1843, it had grown so much, it held over a 1,000. They built one just up the road, just a couple of hundred metres up the road, uh, called McShane Memorial, which actually ended up being opened by Spurgeon. And yet, within a 100 years, both those churches had declined so much that they were abandoned by the Church of Scotland. What happened? How did we go from Psalm 24, people knowing the Catechism and the Bible, to this? My chosen path is Druidry, but a pagan may, for example, identify as Wiccan, heathen, or a witch. By the power of star and stone, by the power of the land within and without, by all that is fair and free, I welcome you today to this time for reflection. This is the Scottish government inviting a pagan to address Parliament on behalf of Druids, shamans and witches. Local media called it a historic day. Indeed it was, in many ways. As I say, a lot of this is personal for me. I recall, I have a lot of connections with the Scottish Parliament, and I recall when the an African children's choir came to the Parliament and they were singing, and basically all their songs were about Jesus, and actually the official there said, no, you can't really do that. Do you not have any other songs? And they said, no. But now Scotland has become, in one sense, I think one commentator said, the first country in the world to be run by Disney. Reverend Linda Haggerstone, Reverend, the pagan, described how her grandmother influenced past in life by putting out sources of milk for the fairies. Sources of milk for the fairies. A pagan may, for example, she says, identify as Wiccan, heathen, or a witch. That's where Scotland has come to. And people applauded. Seriously? You applauded a woman who takes her influence out of putting out saucers of milk for the fairies. Now, it's interesting how paganism is being revived throughout the world, by the way. Davos, for example, they had a, uh, some kind of shamanistic woman uh, coughing in people's faces. Well, there you go. You're allowed to do that, even with COVID, if you say you're pagan. So... How did we get here? Now, as I said already, this is deeply personal for me because I've been involved in Scottish politics, culture, church for almost five de decades. And yes, I started young. But now I feel I'm in exile from my own land. In fact, I get regular messages from people saying, you're in Australia, why does it bother you? Well, it bothers me because I love my country, I love my family. I love the church and I mourn at what has happened. So... Let's just look at a few things. First of all, history. When you think of Scottish history, is this what you think of? And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that 
for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Mel Gibson, with possibly the worst Scottish accent on film ever, and one of the most ahistorical films and yet influential films in modern times, Braveheart. Now, it's just it's just mostly rubbish. Um, but Scottish history is very. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not going to give you the whole potted history of Scotland, but the recorded history begins in the first century when the Romans invade Britain. Uh, and in Scotland, the Picts are there, and I love visiting the Pictish stones. By the way, it used to be said that the Picts, oh, they're, you know, pagans and druids, and they were. But the Picts were converted to Christianity. And if you look at all the Pictish stone symbols now, go, for example, to the one uh, in my home area in uh, Ballantor or Shandwick, the seaside villages there, and you'll find that there are Christian symbols on it. So basically it was the Picts. The Scots who came from Ireland, Celtic immigrants who were already Christians through St. Columba. The, the, the Saxons, the Normans, the Anglo-Saxons as well in the lowlands of Scotland. Uh, and Scotland's always been a mixed society in that. Scotland developed and grew. It went through various stages. Uh, if I was to identify each century in the, the modern centuries, I would say the Reformation, the 16th century, was the most important and the foundation of modern Scottish society. I would say the Covenanters in the 17th century and the exile of Scots to the United States where they helped found it, the Scottish Enlightenment in the 18th century and the Empire, the Industrial Revolution in the 19th century, um, the disruption of the Church, again Empire, modern Scotland with the development of socialism and the welfare state uh, and many other things. And then in the 21st century, it has unquestionably been in the first two decades a story of incredible decline. Um, a band I love is the Battlefield Band, and this is a very interesting song telling the history of Scotland from the point of view of a massive yew tree just outside Edinburgh. A mile deep in Caitland on the road to the sea Stands a yew tree a thousand years old the old women swear by the grey of their hair That it knows what the future will hold For the shadows of Scotland stand round it Mid the keel and the corn and the kai All the hopes and the fears of a thousand under the Lothian sky My body you tree Tell me what did you see Did you look through the haze of the long summer days In the south and the far English border Oh, the bonnets so steel on Flodden's far field Did they march by your side in good order? Did you ask them the price of their glory When you heard the great slaughter begin? Oh, the dust of their bones would rise up from the stones To bring tears to the eyes of the wind My bonnie you tree 
me what did you see? Gods, what did you speak for the poor and the weak when the moss troopers lay in your sheet? To count out the plunder and hide free the thunder and share all the spoils of their raids. But you saw the smiles of the gentry and the laughter of the lords at their gains. When the poor hunt the poor across mountain and moor, the rich man can keep them in chains. My bonnie, you tree, tell me what did you see? Did you know a thing to tell when John Knox himself preached under your branches say black to the poor common folk who would lift up the yoke of the priests, bishops and priests with their backs? But you knew the bargain he sold them and freely was only one part. For the price of their souls was a gospel so cold it would freeze up the joy in their hearts. That's the caricature, of course. There's an element of truth. I think Knox did preach freedom. And I think what we know as modern democracy, a large part of it came from... Uh, this democratic aspect of uh, Noxian Scotland. But you see, there's another myth that, oh, the gospel was so cold. Well, of course there were cold people, of course there were people, but actually it wasn't cold at all. There was a, a joy and a freedom. It freed people in lots of different ways. Freedom come all ye. After five centuries, how has it come to this? See, Scotland is very famous for its education system. Because of Knox's maxim that where you had uh, a church there, you had a school, we at one point probably had the best education system in the world and were certainly the most literate people. But now it's changed enormously. One in five Scots is functionally illiterate. But what he's talking about there is the university system. And again, when I went to the University of Edinburgh, and I noticed he didn't mention me in his <laughs> list of them, it was a, I went, my father told me to go, I was a farm labourer's son, and it was this idea of the lad of parts, that no matter your background, if you had the ability, you were encouraged to go. I got a grant, forget that now, basically I got paid to go and study. But now what has happened to our universities is they've just become commercial operations selling themselves to the highest bidders in order to get funding. And this is astonishing, but there is a cap on Scottish students going to Scottish universities. It would be much harder for me today to go to university than it was in the 1970s and 1980s. Much harder. It's it just it's become just quite extraordinary. And I've seen that. I've seen, I've seen a student with straight A's not being able to get into medical, but of course the university will take people from other countries because they pay three times or four times or even five times the fees. I remember one admissions uh, person, at a, and I've been involved with universities for years. This was at St. Andrews University in the, in the office telling me of people who would fly in to visit on their private helicopter, St Andrews. Now, Scottish education overall is in crisis, not just the universities. The recent PISA International League tables for school pupils in 81 different countries. Scotland has now fallen a year behind England, one year of learning behind England. That's a huge attainment gap. 
Lindsay Patterson, and I know Lindsay. I used to be friends with his brother. I've been in Lindsay's house. Um, he's a professor of Emeritus of Education Policy at Edinburgh University. And he pointed out that the curriculum for excellence, and be careful in Scotland now, when government tells you something, a curriculum for excellence, you know it's almost certainly bound to be the opposite. That instead of being the very latest in teaching methods, which it may have been, but actually it's accelerated the decline. Now, there are other aspects of that. I think that the Scottish government and others, people like Patrick Harvey, are much more interested, not in education, but indoctrination. So Scotland has become the first country in the world to embed LGBT education in the school curriculum. And I mean embed. I mean in history, in maths, in science, in everything. LGBT has to be prominent. All school staff are given a basic awareness e-learning course on LGBT inclusive education and dare they question any aspect of it and they'll be out of a job. You know, we are... Because our education system is so messed up, and that's, that's possibly the thing I feel most passionate about. But our young people are just being destroyed. And part of that is seen in, say, something like the statistic for abortions. The total number of abortions in Scotland rose by 19% in 2022. There were 16,596 abortions in 2022. The number of abort babies aborted because of Down syndrome increased by 84%. It's funny, you know, they said, oh, education and sex education, it will mean less of these kind of things, less STD. It doesn't. It's the very opposite. Okay, now let's talk about culture then. Here's the latest program about Scotland. I'm Martin Comston. <laughs> Having spent the last few years travelling for work, I'm getting reacquainted with my homeland. Come on! And joining me is my great pal, Phil McHugh. Let's go to dinner! <laughs> We're going above and beyond to discover what makes our nation tick today. Martin Comston's Scottish Blend. Starts Thursday the 8th of September on the BBC Scotland channel and iPlayer. That's Martin Comston. Now I've watched the programme, it goes around, and some of it's very good and very entertaining. But in going around seeing what makes modern Scotland tick, which is kind of the, the, the purpose of the programme, nothing about Christianity. Oh, we've got Islam. We've got paganism. We've got drag queens. This is modern Scotland. Even when they go to Lewis, the island of Lewis, not a word about the church. It just has to be about Syrian refugees. And that's great, by the way, that refugees are invited to Lewis. I'm not arguing against that. But I'm just talking, saying, what one BBC producer told me, he said he would love to have me on his show, but it was going to be very difficult. He said he would love to have me because I spoke for 50, at least 50% of the people in Scotland, including his Catholic parents. But he said in the BBC, we don't do diversity. And they don't. They really don't. With one or two rare exceptions. So take, for example, this gentleman, Sir... James Macmillan. Here's a little bit of some music that from the Queen's funeral.
Now, James is a fascinating person. Again, he, he's somebody who I kind of um, correspond with occasionally. I love his work. The absolute best. Again, this great thing about the creativity that's within Scotland. But he's changed his position. As a young man, he was a member of the Young Communist League. He was kind of left-wing nationalist. But he's seen the corruption in the government. How even in the arts, unless you go for Scottish values, you're not going to get funding. And so on. And he speaks out about it. And good for him. He's kind of hard to cancel. But um, again, he's just an example of what's going on in contemporary Scotland. Creativity being stifled by an authoritarian government. Mind you, you can't stifle everything, and here's some comedy from BBC, the BBC. Listen to this. Uh, I'm delighted uh, to be joined by a member of the Chinese community as I uh, apologise for using the phrase uh, Chinese whispers. I appreciate that this is deeply offensive to the Chinese. Uh, I, I completely understand why they went totally mental. I'm delighted uh, to be joined by a mental health campaigner to witness my apology for using the phrase, they've gone mental. I can see some of you are surprised that I'm apologizing, but no. Gone are the days when getting an apology out of me was like getting a fiver out of an Aberdonian, eh? I would like to apologize uh, to the largest Aberdonian community, the Aberdonians. Uh, I do understand that uh, Aberdonian feelings are important. I'm surprised, actually, that our diversity officer didn't make that clear to me. Honestly, sometimes around here, it's like the blind leading the blind. I would like to apologise to Scotland's blind community. I hear your concerns, and I promise you... I love that for lots and lots of different reasons. Not least because like it does show the state of the modern Scottish police. And again, I've had a run-in uh, with the police when I reported them to themselves for hate crime. Uh, I'll maybe put a link to that that you can read about. But again, the creativity. Um, this is a band from Dundee. Who would believe it? They called themselves the Average White Band. And here's them. Here they are playing funk. think that's wonderful pick up the pieces you know I think in a sense that's what we're trying to do now one of the things in Scotland is we have become you, you can argue maybe with Canada or New Zealand although the New Zealand government has changed 
the wokest country in the world. My question is, are all trans women women? You haven't answered that question. Well, that's not the point that we're dealing with here. That's the question I'm asking. Trans women are are women, but in the prison context, there is no automatic right for a trans woman. So there are contexts where a trans woman is not a woman? No, there is... (laughs) There is circumstances in which a trans woman uh, will be housed in the male prison estate. Is there any context in which a woman born as a woman will be housed in the male estate? Look, we're talking here about trans women. And I'm now asking about women born as women. Uh, I don't think there are circumstances there, uh, but... So it's different for trans women? Well, yes, and I'm not... So they're not equal? That is not... There is a risk assessment process done for trans women that takes account of the nature of the crime. It clearly... Uh, this is the, that's the former First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon. And I think she's the important person here because the current First Minister is just her poodle. Uh, she's just been on, uh, by the way, uh, as some of you will be aware, on the COVID inquiry. And it's so funny. There are, um, you know, my Twitter feed is full of SNP supporters saying, oh, she's been bullied and so on. But she lied. She lied because she's, she said in public that her WhatsApp messages would be available at the same time as she was actually deleting them. But that's not what concerns me here. You you listen to that clip. It is so concerning. Nicola Sturgeon is the absolute mistress, or master if you want to say, of um, woke, how will I put it, word salads. She talks and talks and talks and says so little. And we ended up with this ridiculous situation in Scotland where because of her ideology and Patrick Harvey's ideology... Men who abused women were being put into women's prisons, which in Scotland tend to be much more open prisons. There are cases, I know of cases, where uh, women in prison were raped by men who claimed that they were women. Extraordinary. And then it's even worse. There's a case just now. Joan McAlpine writes about this. Uh, someone called Miradul Wadwe, uh, a transgender woman, or basically a man who says he's a woman, right? said, and she's in charge of the Edinburgh Rape Crisis Centre, and she said that people would not truly recover unless they address their unacceptable beliefs because therapy is political. We will work with you, but please expect to be challenged on your prejudices. Get this. They are pushing a political view onto a woman at a time of profound trauma and crisis. Now, I went to the Scottish government, or in fact, I didn't go. I was summoned by them and to ask why was, why was I so opposed to the uh, gender recognition bill. And I said one of the reasons was women's spaces. Well, this is the, the ultimate. A woman who's been raped does not want to go to a rape crisis centre and to be interviewed and counselled by a man. Um, she, the, the leader says that rape survivors can reframe their trauma, have a more positive relationship with you. It becomes a story that empowers you, enables you to go and do other more beautiful things with your life. Wadwa, I think I can't even know, it was a, he was appointed chief executive of Edinburgh Rape Crisis Centre in May, a post that was advertised as for women only. The centre is currently advertising for a chief operating officer who must also be a woman and says applications from trans women would be especially welcome. Wow. Just wow. Rose Adams, a counsellor, said, was dismissed because she said that revealing the biological sex of support worker was transphobic, even if it was done to reassure a rape survivor she'd been talking to another female. This is the Scotland that we have come to because of Sturgeon's ideology. And I think above all, Patrick Harvey, the Green Leader. And it results in this. Listen to this. Imagine that. 
In 21st century Scotland, we have people outside the Scottish Parliament chanting at women, which, which, which. We've lost our dignity. So, speaking of which, here's the wonderful Deacon Blue from Dundee. There's a man I meet Walks up our street He's a worker for the council Has been 20 years And he takes no lip of nobody And litter off the gutter Puts it in a bag And never thinks to mutter And he packs his lunch in the sunless bag The children call him boogie He never lets off But I know cause he once told me He let me know a secret about the money in his kitty He's gonna buy a dinghy Gonna call her Dignity And I'll sail her up the west coast Through villages and towns I'll be on the holidays They'll be doing the rounds They'll ask me how I got her I'll say I saved my money I say, isn't she pretty that she called Dignity? And I'm telling a story in a faraway scene Sipping down Rocky and reading in our keys And I'm thinking about home and all that that means and a place in the winter for dignity And I'll sail up the west coast Through villages and towns I'll be on my holidays They'll be doing the rounds They'll ask me how I got a house I save my money I say, isn't she pretty? That ship called the So many other things I could tell you, but I'm conscious of time. One story that just summarizes this. A male blood donor was turned away after refusing to indicate if he was pregnant. Leslie Sinker, Sinkler, 66, who's a retired driver for an engineering company who has given 125 pints of blood in the last five decades. He was barred from donating after he said it was unnecessary for him to answer a form, a question on a form, asking if he was pregnant as he is a man in his 60s. They said, it's not always clear someone is pregnant. The policy is to promote inclusiveness. So you ask a 66-year-old man if he's pregnant and you don't let him donate blood if he doesn't say so. (laughs) Wow. Meanwhile, the Scottish government is in the process, and they seem to be pushing ahead with this, again at the instigation of the Greens, of banning conversion therapy. Now, I'm not going to go into all the detail about this, because this will come up again and again and again. But these proposals are incredibly extreme. They are nothing to do with banning conversion therapy in the sense of, you know, people being, I don't know, having electrons or being shown pornography or trying to change their sexuality and all that kind of stuff. It is everything to do with silencing opposition to the sexual philosophy of the authoritarian regime that is now the Scottish government. 
All of us, William Philip of the Tron Church in Glasgow said this in a letter, the presentation as a law to protect LGBT people from abuse is disingenuous. All such abuse and coercion is already, quite rightly, illegal. But these proposals are abusive towards ordinary people, including loving parents protective of their children, by criminalising simply speaking with them, praying for them, or daring to disagree with LGBT ideology. I have no doubt. I, I, I predicted and prophesied this for years. But I have no doubt that if I was to return to Scotland, I would end up being prosecuted for teaching what the Bible says. And this is this permeates the whole civic structure, which I think is between five and 10,000 people. But it's such an elitist thing. If you're in, you're in. If you're not in, you're not in. I'll just give you some examples. One newspaper told me they had to publish something which I was involved in, a dispute with an SNP politician, in a favourable manner for him. And they told me this, that they were scared of losing government funding through advertising. They told me they had been threatened that unless they were favourable, the organisation involved, the government organisation involved would not advertise in their paper. And that was a lot of money for them. Another council which shall remain nameless because of an NDA who we were going to court against. I remember as we were going through that process, lawyers in Edinburgh said to me, oh yeah, it's the most corrupt in Scotland. So people know, but they can't say anything. How many NDAs, how many orders to keep silent are there in place? Another politician told me of the febrile atmosphere in Holyrood and the sexual politics, the numerous affairs and everything that goes on. And yet another told me of the nudge-nudge deals that were done with churches, um, particularly in, in certain areas of Scotland. We'll fund your organisations, you keep quiet about the social stuff. So let me come on to current politics. And part of it is this cult and this authoritarianism built by... You, we, we take God out of the culture, and what do you replace God with? You replace him with the, stult, the, 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 the state, rather, and you end up with uh, this kind of propaganda. Listen to this. The children of Scotland would like to say thank you. To Nicola, our First Minister of Scotland. We are so grateful. Thank you for always keeping us safe. Working so hard. For being strong for us. Thank you for caring for every individual life. And for always thinking about the children of Scotland. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's worthy of Kim Jong-un in North Korea, isn't it? It's just extraordinary. Um, just unbelievable. But the government's failed in so many... We, they, they continually set up inquiries. The Scottish government's handling of the pandemic, the, the post office prosecution for the persecution of sub-postmasters, the fatal accident inquiry into the deaths of Katie Allen and William Lindsay in Paulmont Young Defenders Institute. The case I've already mentioned of the Councillor Edinburgh Rape Crisis Centre being dismissed for holding a belief that biology is immutable. It is so difficult to stand up to that. So many times, I've had politicians, I've had academic leaders, I've had journalists say things like, keep going, keep writing, we agree with what you're saying, you need to say it because we're not allowed to say it. I remember one journalist coming to me saying, David, I'm going to go back and I'm going to write a piece, and it's, I'm afraid it's going to have to be a piece that attacks you because my editor won't permit anything else, although I think you're absolutely right. That's the world in which we live. It's just ex extraordinary. That's what happens. 
And the results of that are seen in so many ways. For example, an area that was once Minister Sutherland, we talk about the Highland Clearances. It's happening again. In 2020, just 61 babies were born in Sutherland, an area that has seen its population half to 13,000 over the past 150 years. With 16 primary schools, it equates to around three children starting, starting schools. The secondary school in Kinloch Burvey has a capacity for 182 pupils, but currently has 32, and it's going to drop to 21. They built the schools, there aren't any kids. And that's the result of the policies. So I lament for the Scottish Highlands and what the Scottish government have done and are doing to them. Here's Runrig with, I think, a beautiful song representing both Gaelic psalm singing and the best of Gaelic music. My eyes closed, my memory confident, standing here watching hill and shoreline, with the seed you left still growing. The garden is the garden is well stocked with mighty trees, with fruit growing for the whole world, ripe, sweet, and bitter apples. And the one apple that is beyond reach, who amongst who amongst us can exist a single day beyond our own time and our own limits? Countless and futile are times I've climbed to reach and taste the forbidden fruit. The winds will blow and the sun will shine from generation to generation through the trees of the garden, but the day and the hour will surely come to take the highest apple from the knowledge tree. The highest apple is the knowledge of God. All right, I am conscious of uh, going to have to go, but look, sport, we always do talk about sport. Here's a clip of Ailish McColgan. She's going to do it. 
She's going to emulate a man. Alice McCogan is the Commonwealth champion. Goals for Scotland. An incredible race. And then Andy Murray. in Melbourne. Unbelievable running, diving, desperation and ultimately triumph in all one rally there. <laughs> one of those moments. You know, it's, it's just, I think that clip of Andy Murray, by the way, and please go and have a look at it. It just shows the determination and the grit and everything else. Um, and there's so much in Scottish sport that could be praised. And also, again, so much corruption. I was chaplain of Dundee Football Club. And if I could, I would tell you about the corruption that existed in lots of clubs in Scotland. I got to see it firsthand. All right, is there no hope? Well, surely the church is the hope. No. No, it's not. The Church of Scotland has... The, the deterioration of the Church of Scotland is something I've looked at for many, many times. Um, and I'm not going to go over it again. But here's a recent report from The Guardian. The Church of Scotland, once one of the most powerful forces in Scottish life, is disposing of hundreds of churches, manses, halls and cottages over the next five years as it faces up to a perilous transformation in its fortunes and its place in Scottish society. Congregations are in steep decline, its clergy are ageing, and its finances are in disarray. And I could tell you the story of that, and it's worse even that The Guardian says. And then you have someone like moderator Reverend Sally Foster Fulton saying, it's a challenge but an opportunity to reimagine and to let go of some of the baggage that's held us down. What has killed the Church of Scotland is the fact that the Church of Scotland has rejected the gospel and without, with, with some Honourable exceptions, some fine exceptions, the evangelicals within the church have watched and let it happen and have been more concerned about other evangelicals outside the Church of Scotland than they have been about those who deny the gospel within their own church. So, it's so painful, all of this. So here's Nazareth. Yeah, I love my country, but it hurts. Once we built the Queen Mary, now we can't build a ferry. Once we were known as the people of the book, now 20% of Scots are functionally illiterate. Once we were led by people like John Knox, now we have Humza Yusuf. Once 
the people were able to cite the Shorter Catechism. Now we have pagan worship in the Scottish Parliament. Of course there are bright sparks. Of course there are good things. We have great journalists like Kevin McKenna and Jim Spence. We have wonderful politicians seeking to stand against the tide. Kate Forbes, Murdo Fraser and others. And that St George's West Church from where we got St George's Edinburgh that's now been taken over by Charlotte Chapel Baptist Church which is growing and thriving. I think of St Peter's which when I went there in 1986 was sorry 1992 it was down to a handful of people and now it's a thriving congregation having planted others so yes there is hope of course there is hope but right now it would be foolish of us not to recognize that Scotland is when I go back to Scotland and I go try and go back each year even its infrastructure is declining it seems more and more like a third world country. It's being led in such a disastrous way. And the seeds that were sown 30 years ago, we are now beginning to see the consequences. The breakup of families, the sexual dysfunction, the collapse of any meaningful politics, the destruction of the economy, the despair of a hopeless church. And I weep. I genuinely weep. I'm not saying this with any kind of schadenfreude. I've been writing and speaking about this for many, many, many years. And I don't take any delight in saying I was right, because actually in many ways I was wrong. I, 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 I didn't see just how big a disaster this was going to be. I thought it would be. I didn't see how quickly it would come. But it's here. So we continue to pray for Scotland. I feel that I'm in exile. I said that already. But I continue to pray and I write and try and help people who are involved there. I'm so thankful, like my son planting a church in a, amongst the urban poor. I'm so thankful for much of the work that's been done by so many people. Of course it's not all bad. There are many bright spots. But right now, Scotland needs amazing grace. So I'm going to leave you with Steph MacLeod, uh, one of the brighter spots in uh, the Scottish Christian scene and music scene. And this is amazing grace. It's what we need. It's what every country needs. Thanks to Peter for producing this from Scotland. Um, I do invite responses and contributions. Feel free to support us if you want on the Podbean fundraiser. Go to www.theweefly.com. Please pray for Scotland. And if you're in Scotland, don't despair, but don't be unrealistic. See the mess. But look to the one who sorts out mess. See the darkness, but look to the light. God bless you, and see you next week for a more normal and shorter edition. Bye.
Jesus Christ is Lord. 